Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Tony, a New York man, set a new record for a vertical jump at 64 inches. Tony Kornheiser, 64 inches? That's Bob Costas. Do you really want to do that? I mean, do you really want to anger one of our favorite people in this industry who's come on this show and been a guest, our friend? You want to do that? He's, we're not going to anger him. He's going to be happy. And by the way, what is... Costas' favorite sport, it's baseball. And today's yep. show is a baseball, baseball dominated, show. Baby. So that's yes, why we do that. Welcome yes, to PTI, is. boys and girls. In today's episode, the Indians trade Trevor Bauer, Michael Thomas gets paid, and Cliff Kingsbury doesn't look like how he looks in a video game. But we begin today with a blockbuster right at the deadline. The Houston Astros, as they did two years ago, landed a big fish pitcher. They got Zach Greinke from Arizona in return for four prospects. Wilbon, Greinke is 10-4 with a 2.87 ERA. He's a Cy Young winner. He's Justin Verlander two years later. Does this make the Astros the team to beat? Yes. Yes. Pitching. Starting pitching. Great starting pitching. Yes, the Astros aren't even playing in their division anymore, which they've essentially put away. They're looking around at the rest of the American League. They're playing the Yankees and the Sox, and they're playing whoever thinks they're in contention, Minnesota in the Central. That's who they're, they're playing for the postseason right, right now. This right. is brilliant. This is gutsy. People can talk about what they're supposed to do. By the way, all the people talking about launch angle, launch angle this in October, launch angle at the top of the rotation, Verlander and Grinky. And Cole, are you kidding me, Tony? No, this is, this so, is a great move by Houston, standing ovation for It's them. not just starting pitching. The Nats have three great starting pitchers if they're healthy in Scherzer they and do. Strasburg and Corbin. But they don't have any relief pitchers. Right. Houston has hitting. Houston has a great top of the rotation. Now, when Verlander went there a couple of years ago, I don't know that he lost any games at all for the rest of the season. It sealed including it. It sealed the playoffs. Right. This has the exact same feel. And I agree with you to this extent. This is aimed at the Yankees. This is aimed at the Dodgers. I mean, I mean, you look now at Houston and, and you look at the Yankees who have trouble with their starting pitching. For all the hitting they have, I don't know that there's enough hitting to beat Cole, Verlander, not, not, and Granke. Not, not in October. So not pitching. So starting this, pitching. Top of rotation. Move. I'll big. take that bait, bet every time over launch angle. And the Dodgers, if we get that far, we're talking about World Series play, Tony. We're talking about a team that can't stop anybody from scoring. Well, but they, they, the, the Dodgers have their defensive troubles. They do. Starting pitching addresses that They do, Mike, time. but the Dodgers have starting pitching, and the Dodgers have power from both sides of the plate. They also and give up would, a lot of unearned runs, Tony. That would be fun to watch. It would be. We move now to last night's brawl between division rivals Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. It was one of those chippy games with players on both teams getting thrown out and hit. Cincinnati pitcher Amir Garrett felt like he'd had enough in the ninth inning and charged the entire Pirates dugout by himself, precipitating a Donnybrook. Afterwards, Garrett took responsibility and said, quote, I was angry. It was about protecting teammates. I'm going to accept any punishment that I get. As a man, I take on that responsibility and I apologize for my for actions. Him. Unquote. Good for him. What kind of punishment does Garrett deserve? I don't know. He'll get something. He'll get a lot of games. The Pirates are thugs. They've played like thugs all year. I wanted the Cubs to do this coming out of the All-Star break. They swept them so it looked like they got their retribution that way. The Pirates, and listen to me, I'm ta- I know this division because yeah. I watch almost every game in it. The Pirates, Clint Hurdle's team has behaved like 
thugs. They throw at people all the time. And there's two ways to deal with this. Either you do what this guy did, what Garrett did last night, and you say, you know what? I got this. Or Major League Baseball, Joe Torre, Rob Manfred, do something. Don't hide under the desk, which is what you two guys are doing now. Stop Clint Hurdle and the Pirates from being thugs. Stop it. So I, I know that this goes back all season, and I know these teams do this all the time. I'm going to first address the specific question of Garrett. He's got to get at least 10 games. That was a warlike act. You may think it's brave, but it was a warlike act. I'd also like to acknowledge, for example, the manager of Cincinnati, David Bell. Yeah. Do I have he that name? He would have been ejected. He, he rolled back out there. He Good gets for him. thrown out. He's thrown out again yesterday. His eighth throwout of the year, which is a lot for a rookie manager. Then he finds his way back into the brawl. This is not Pork Chop Hill. When no. I, you may be right that Pittsburgh is responsible. They but are. Cincinnati Did got you take sucked your into this. He said, I'll take my punishment. Look, Tony. Major League How Baseball much? must step in. They have six more I, games, yes. Mike. Six more How games. How much do you think that the Brewers, Cubs, Reds, and Cardinals hate the Pittsburgh Pirates? Okay. And they brought it on themselves. Okay. And if every team goes at them like this, then it'll stop. But Garrett, or Manfred Mike, and Joe Torre Garrett's can man get 10 up and or more. stop it now. Ten or more, Mike. You can't take it. You can't do I, this. I don't care what he gets. Can't I don't do care it. about that. The problem here is the thuggery of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Plain and simple. Little did Mr. Puig know when he was battling on behalf of the Reds that he'd be moving up the state to Northeast Ohio in the trade to the Cleveland Indians. Trevor Bauer goes to Cincinnati in that exchange, but the Indians also wind up with Framil Reyes, who has a surprising 27 home runs, Tony, and gets to tag team with Puig in the Cleveland outfield. So, who is this trade going to work out best for, Tom? All right, well, there was a third team in the trade, San Diego Padres, but we'll leave them uh, alone because it's a deferred thing because it's a prospect. Okay. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Cincinnati took Bauer. I mean, they don't, they don't have much right now. He's a fine pitcher, though he has been disliked by teammates uh, in the past. Uh, you know, he's got a good arm, as we saw, because he threw it into the center field stands, which is why he got traded. I like what the Indians you know, have done. No, he was getting traded anyway. I like what the Indians have done. They I'm walked ju- into today with an outfield that had produced only 44 home runs. In these two guys, in Puig and Reyes, they just got 49 more home runs. Now, I, I'm a little bit concerned Puig gets traded a bunch. This is the third team. Now, I wonder if there's something more there, but he sure can hit. It looks to me like the Indians have positioned themselves for something big in the playoffs. Tony, you know, there's something else I think I like about this deal, which is not going to show up in the analytics. The Indians might have needed somebody who can battle. We just, what did we just talk about in our previous story? Puig does. Puig will battle you. Puig's a tough guy. Yep. Not a fake tough guy, big arms. a real tough guy. Whoa, big arms. Yeah. Okay, so, so yes, you need the home runs. There might also been a feeling on behalf of the Cleveland front office, and, and I don't know the, the staff, that they needed that personality, an injection of energy. And I will battle you. I will take you on. Yeah. And it's gonna, we're going to say that. You know, that might lead to an injection or two. They may have to live with some stuff with Puig on that end as well. But I think the Indians here, I like what they've done. I think the front office of Cleveland also said to Mr. Bauer, this guy's nuts and we're getting him out of here. We're Wait. getting him out of here. We can't have this. Michael Thomas is no longer holding out. 
Well, that's not completely true. He's holding out his hands to catch the money. The New Orleans Saints made their prime wide receiver the most highly paid wide receiver in football. They gave him $96 million over the next five years with $61 million guaranteed. Wilbon Thomas is the highest paid receiver now. Should we see him as the best receiver? I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He needs to be the best receiver that Drew Brees has available every Sunday. That's what he needs to be. It doesn't matter where he ranks in the league. It doesn't matter how many, for him, sort of yards per reception, average yards. That, that, that's not the deal. The 125 or whatever number of balls he caught last year, Tony, it tells you. Drew Brees likes this That's guy right. in a whole lot of circumstances. His dependability, his reliability, I mean, just being out there. And so his availability. So it doesn't matter whether he's the best in the league. The New Orleans Saints know they need him in that lineup on that field. Yeah, I mean, you list Antonio Brown, you list Odell Beckham Jr., you list Julio Jones, you list Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has two things going for him that matter. Drew Brees is one of those things. And Sean Payton designing plays, yeah. that matters. Because he's an offensive genius, I believe, Sean Payton. So on this squad, they need him. What is curious to me, Ezekiel Elliott, who's been just as great for his team. Ezekiel Elliott is trying to make $15 million a year. And this guy's getting like $20 million a year, which shows you the imbalance between wide receivers and running backs. Shows you what the league thinks of running backs. Yeah. 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 Tony, Jerry Jones is still willing to roll the dice. Oh, he's got to have him. Mike's got to have him. I think so, too. Got to have it. Tone, why do I think we're going to be constantly hijacked this fall by Cliff Kingsbury, who seems to find his way into the discussion every day, often for the silliest of reasons? Today, reports are that Kingsbury's upset with how he looks in the Madden 20 video game. Quote, I had seen a bunch of guys kind of getting in their feelings about their ratings, and then somebody sent me a picture of what I look like on there. I want to get adjusted on the looks rating. Close quote. Tony. Is Kingsbury going to have a twinkle in his eye when he does these things, or do we have to take him seriously? So the rest of that quote is, I look like something out of The Walking Dead, which I thought was pretty funny. When I first saw the picture in the Madden game, I thought it was real. I mean, they make that stuff look real. Anyway, let me get to my point about Kingsbury. I think Kingsbury is the first millennial coach. I think this is a brilliant thing that he has done. What about my man out in L.A. with the Rams? He's like 12 years old. No, it's identifying in a different way. This is what I mean by this. Kingsbury aligns himself with players. When he talks about Madden and ratings, which I don't think Sean McVay does, he says, look at me, I'm one of you. When he allows players to get a 15-minute break right on the spot to go with their cell phones, he says, I'm one of you. Now, I said this yesterday. Kyler Murray and and Cliff Kingsbury are bright, shiny objects this year, and a lot of people want to see them, and I suspect a lot of people may want to see one or both of them fail, but we're going to be talking about Kingsbury pretty much all season, I think. Well, and, or that, or until the Cardinals go two and five, and then we'll stop. Okay. But I, I, I think so. I think my inclination is to think, wow, this guy's a breath of fresh air in a profession. I mean, pro football yep. coaches have just, they've all followed Bill Belichick's lead, and they're yep. all just boring as hell, with an exception here or there. I hope he's one of them. I hope we are talking about him, and I hope there's a twinkle in his eye, and he's not taking himself serious. Mike, he fell up. He was not just a college yes, coach true. going in the pros. He was that's a losing true. coach going the pros. Let's take a break. But coming up, we will dive into the baseball trade deadline with Tim Kirkchin. And later, has Carmelo Anthony earned a farewell tour from the NBA? 
This Zach Greinke thing, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, Astros, baby. Big deal. Astros. And they can hit. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Baseball's trade deadline passed late this afternoon, and here to help us figure out what went down is our great friend, ESPN baseball analyst, Tim Kirchin. Let's start with this. The Astros, they land Zach Greinke. How significant an addition is that? <laughs> it was huge. That separates the Astros from any team in the American League, clearly. Now the Astros, in a short series, can throw Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke as their third starter. That is so much better than anything that the Yankees have in their rotation, and that's their main competitor right now. It also puts them right there on par with the Dodgers' top of their rotation should it end up in the World Series. The Astros gave up an awful lot, but not their top two prospects, and they took on an enormous amount of money with Zach Greinke, but they are going for it, and it is so refreshing today to see a major league team say, all right, we're giving up a lot, but we're trying to win now. Tim, you mentioned the Yankees. Let's stop with them for a second. Yankees and other teams that we expected more activity from, what happened that they were not active? Well, the asking price in all cases was so high, those teams said, we're not going to do that. The Red Sox had to get a closer, but the asking price, say, for Edwin Diaz was ridiculous. So the Red Sox said, we're not going to do that. The Yankees had to add a starting pitcher. But a couple of the really big ones, Bumgarner and Syndergaard, went off the market, and they were left with a fourth starter, a third starter, say, Robbie Ray, and the asking price for him was ridiculous. The Dodgers had to get a closer. But Felipe Vasquez, the really good closer for the Pirates, the Pirates were asking for so much, the Dodgers said, we're not going to do this. These are our new GMs, fellas. They are going to sit there and wait. And the sabermetrics say, this is what that guy is worth, and they are not budging from that. And that's why those teams didn't do anything. So going into into the trade deadline, the two big names, the pitchers who were going to be traded, Madison Bumgarner was going to be traded from the Giants, Noah Syndergaard was going to be traded from the Mets. That did not happen. What what went on with that? Well, miraculously, the Giants have gone from a really bad team to a team that went 18 and 6 in July. And then, unbelievably, they are back in the pennant race. And their GM, Farhan Zaidi, looked at their team and said, how am I going to trade my best player, Madison Bumgarner, in the final two months of Bruce Bochy's Hall of Fame career? In the end, he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to try to make the playoffs. It probably wasn't the smartest move, but I understood what he was doing. And then, of course, there are the Mets who told everyone from the beginning, we're trying to win now. If they traded Syndergaard, they would not be trying to win this year, which they're not going to do, or next year. So these were two teams in really difficult spots saying we have to win now. So they kept their best pitchers. We don't have to hose Tony down, Tim, because the (laughs) Nationals got three relievers. Um, And also, the Braves get Shane Green from the Tigers. So besides Grinky, 
What do you see right now as being the most impactful deal of the deadline? Well, Shane Green was today. And the Braves didn't just add him. They added two other relief pitchers, Mark Melanson being one of them. They really did a nice job. The Braves had to add bullpen help. And they got three relievers. They have taken another step towards the Dodgers. They're still not the Dodgers, not really close. But they made themselves, I think, the division champions today with what they did. The Nationals did well, too. I think the Nationals are going to make the playoffs, especially with what they did today, but Atlanta made three really nice moves in the last two days, Shane Green being the best of the three. The Nationals can add three relievers and drop nine relievers. It's okay (laughs) with me. We will get you out of here on this. What teams now, with the reset, what teams now do you like down the stretch? Well, I I hate to say this because this is baseball and what separates baseball from basketball and football is you never know who's going to win. But I think we just got a rematch of the Dodgers against the Astros in the World Series with what Houston did today. Unless the Nationals get really hot and throw those three great starters against the Dodgers in the postseason, I don't see anybody beating the Dodgers. And I don't see anybody at this moment beating the Astros. So that's what the trade deadline did especially with those teams, is it made the pennant winners clearer to a lot more people. Thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let's take one last break, but still to come, what can we read into Nick Foles' training camp performance so far? And Team USA will have even more competition when the next World Cup rolls around. Are you disappointed in the Cubs, Mike? No. No, the Cubs have to play. I mean, I, you know, they, they can change the chairs on the deck if they want. They got the talent. Right. Play. Yeah. Play. Happy time, people. Happy 31st birthday, A.J. Green. The Bengals' seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver is now expected to miss some regular season games because of an ankle injury sustained on the practice field at the University of Dayton over the weekend. Green tore ligaments in his left ankle. A number of Bengals said that the Dayton field was inadequate, but that is probably small solace to Green now. Tony, I mean, the Bengals have had this following them, their own practice field for a while, even though they have a new one now. I just hate to hear that. Happy anniversary, Kevin Garnett. On this day 12 years ago, you were traded from the T-Wolves to the Celtics for five players and two first-round picks. How did this trade work out? Well, the Celtics won a championship with Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. And the Timberwolves have been in the playoffs exactly one time and won exactly one game. So if you are looking for the definition of a one-sided trade, this would be it. And Tony, before Kevin Garnett left Minnesota, he had been in a big conference final series against, I think it was the Lakers. And it seemed like, you know, the fortunes changed so dramatically for the T-Wolves and the Celtics went back to being the Celtics. A melancholy trails to Nick Bonaconti, the Hall of Fame linebacker for the great undefeated Miami Dolphins team of 1972, died today at the age of 78. Bonaconti was a stalwart on the no-name defense that included Manny Fernandez and Jake Scott. Bonaconti went on to become a television personality, a lawyer, and an agent, but was probably most known for the foundation he helped establish for his paralyzed son, Mark, and countless others, helping them and just over a long period of time, Mike. Tony, and sadly, I was sitting next to Nick when he was watching another son play at the University of Maryland, I think 1985. I think it was a Duke-Maryland game, and he got the, the call uh, from his, about his son Mark being paralyzed playing for the Citadel. And I, w- I was sitting next to him, and I just, 
it's one of the heartbreaking things I've, I've ever seen, been a part of, been, been there for. And Nick Bonacani, just a, uh, an important man to the industry and history of football and his family for a lot of decades. Oh, there's no question that the amount of money raised and the amount of people saved who were in this cer- yes. certain terrible yes. circumstance is directly attributable to Nick Bonacani. Heroic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We are running out of show and we go to the big finish. Let's Carmelo Anthony's trainer told The Breakfast Club that Carmelo, quote, wants a farewell season, unquote, like Dwayne Wade had. Do you think he will get that? Tony, first steps, first things first, I just want Carmelo to play this season. I want him to play in some situation where he could be productive. That would be great. Nick Foles has not thrown an interception through his first five days of training camp. Is that supposed to be significant for some reason? Well, they paid this guy a lot of money. He's got a Super Bowl ring. If he if he plays well off the bat and everybody training thinks camp. we got the right no it's You're meaningful not playing yet with it's a practice. new guy it's meaningful Tiger has committed practice. to playing in the first two events of the FedEx playoffs is that a big deal Yes don't we remember how it turned out for Tiger last year Tony Yeah down in Atlanta I mean who wouldn't want to see a, 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 a you know encore to that The Women's World Cup will expand from 24 to 32 teams next time around we've known that is it a good call the ratings were great. It's a television show. People want to see it. Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you do it? Last one, Joey Chestnut reportedly no. ate 413 no. chicken wings in 12 no. hours. Is that significant no. to you? No. Not everything is a big deal. Really? No. No, it's not a big deal at all. Mr. Wingman, we're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hot dogs, wings, get out. Shut up. Have a salad. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, Knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the app or Apple Podcast. John from A Visual Affair, shout out.